John chapter 8 is where we find ourselves, and we're going to start reading in verse 12. It says, again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. That's what Jesus had just warned them about. He had warned them last week. We looked at He had told them to make sure they're making right judgment, not just judging according to appearance. They're bringing up, they're saying, what you're saying is not true because you're the only one. And Jesus is just pointing out to them here in verse 17. He says, in your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. And so remember, we had looked at back in chapter 5, I think it was, that where he was talking about all the things that witnessed to who he was. He was recognizing that if he was the only witness, they would not have to accept it as true. But he's pointing out here that, look, even if he is the only witness, which he's not, it's still true. They just wouldn't have to accept it in their court of law as written in Deuteronomy. Now in verse 18 he says, I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So he said to them, going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin where i'm going you cannot come so the jews said will he kill himself since he says where i'm going you cannot come he said to them you're from below i'm from above you're of this world i'm not of this world i told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that i am he you will die in your sins so they said to him who are you jesus said to them just what i have been telling you from the beginning I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son says, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. 
He said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I have my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets, yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died, and the prophets? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. It's always a little bit of a painful experience to go from a dark environment out into the bright sunlight or, or to flip on a switch that, that uh, brings bright lighting into a room. And Jesus has already alluded to that earlier on in, in the Gospel of John. And he's uh, used that light and, and darkness, that contrast, to describe his relationship to the Father and our relationship to him. He said in John chapter 3, verse 19 through 21, and this is the judgment, the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. You know, Jesus makes that, that contrast that, that the people that walk in darkness would not respond to him, would not come to him because they don't, they don't want to own up to their sin. They don't want to recognize that they were in darkness and need to come into that light. And so he, he, we see that contrast all through this passage in John chapter 8. He identifies it in, in many different ways. He de- identifies it as he, that he is light and that they are in darkness. He says that he is the truth and that they're liars. He says that he is freedom and recognizes that they were in bondage. He says that he's from above and points out that they're from below. He says he's of God and he points out that they're of the devil. And so he's making that contrast all the way through this passage, pointing to himself as the light of the world. This was an amazing statement for him to make at this time. You know, the the Jewish people, they keep acting like he's not being clear. In fact, at one point they say, who is your father or or who do you make yourself out to be, they ask him. And he hasn't been vague. 
Now, I admit that sometimes when we read it in our culture, sometimes it can appear a little bit vague. But in his culture, it should have been crystal clear. What he's been doing is he's been taking the elements of their holiday that they were celebrating and pointing out that those things were foreshadows of him, that those things spoke of him. So he's making a very clear point of who he was. We've already looked at previously how he took the the manna that they were given back in that day, took that bread and said, I am the, the true bread that, that gives life. Uh, last week we looked at the water and back from where they got water in the rock back in the wilderness. And remember they're in this holiday. The holiday is tabernacles or sometimes they call it booths. And it commemorates when God dwelled with Israel out in the wilderness when they lived in tents. And so God's tent was the tabernacle. The word tabernacle means tent. And so he provided them with that miraculous food in the wilderness. Jesus is the answer to that. He provided them with water from the rock. Jesus is the one that gives the living water. And now they're going to do the same thing with the light. You remember last week we talked about how they took a, the priest would take a picture from, pitcher from the springs of Gihon and come and pour the water on the altar and they'd be singing a song of salvation all the way as he did that. Well, this week, as we look at it, we see another part of that festival. Because in that festival, they would, at a certain time of that festival, they were in the treasury, also known as the court of women. It's a section within the temple. And the women would take and they would light these huge lamps. And the wicks from these lamps were like made out of old rags from the pre-sold clothes and stuff like that. And and uh, they'd light these huge lamps and it would illuminate the whole temple. And, and some have said even the hillsides around the area. Well, this passage points out that they're in the treasury. They're in that room in the temple. And it appears to be during the lighting of those lamps that Jesus stands up and he says, basically, this is about me. I am the light of the world. And so he makes that statement. And as we look at it here today, that's what we want to consider. We want to consider the light of the world. And he's going to contrast, as he does through his whole passage, the light with the darkness. As he does that, he does that in a uh, through mainly the use of a couple different words. The one that stands out the most is the word truth. He uses the word truth in this passage repeatedly. In fact, about 18 times he used the word true, truth, truly through this one chapter. And so that's a big part of the focus. But he also has a very stern warning for the people that wouldn't believe in him and the people that were uh, just locked in their stubbornness. And that stern warning was about sin. And that's the other word that he uses in there as well. So as we look at this contrast between the light and the darkness, uh, we're going to point out, first of all, the effects of sin on life. The effects of sin, he points out, are twofold in this passage. And the first one is that sin kills. He says in verse 21 and then repeats it again twice in verse 24. He says, you will die in your sins. And then in verse 24, die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Well, you know, death is the result of sin. We see that going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. We look all the way back at the Garden when God put Adam and Eve within the garden. He told them, you can eat of all the trees in the garden except for this one. The day you eat of that, you'll surely die. That day, God had mercy on them, and they did not die because something else was allowed to die in their place. And the innocent animal was put to death, and their skins of that animal covered their guilt. It covered their nakedness, and they were allowed mercifully to continue to live. We see from that point on through the through the Old Testament that it is constantly making that connection. 
Sin brings death. Sin brings death. There were commandments that if they broke certain commandments, it brought death. But breaking any commandment would bring the death of something. Maybe not the person that committed them, but would bring the animal. Because they would offer sacrifices for their sins, which is a constant reminder. Sin brings death. That's what it does. That's the reason that we face death in this world is because of the effects of sin. Because we're in a broken and a fallen world. And so sin brings that death. And so Jesus was warning them. There is a path. There is a salvation. There is a way out of this death. But he says, if you don't believe in me, I'm the, I'm the means that God sent. I'm the avenue. And uh, if you don't trust in me, then you're going to die in your sins. You know, that's that not only for them. That's for us. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, as he would say in John 14, 6. Nobody can come to the Father but through him. It's through him and through faith in him that we have uh, that ability to escape that eternal death and to have this eternal life. But sin kills. Not only does he point out that sin kills, but also sin brings bondage. It, it enslaves us. Because we look in the passage in verse uh, verse 34, he says, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin, practices sin is a slave to sin. And that's just, the, that's just the way it works. Sin is not some neutral thing that you can just dabble in it here and there, that you can take it or leave it as you come. The farther you get into sin, the farther sin drags you into it. That's why we have so many things that we're addicted to in our society. That's why we have addictions to some of them are to chemical things like drugs and alcohol that definitely have a chemical effect on us. But you notice we keep getting deeper into it. Uh, also, there's, there's, there's sins or there's addictions with pornography, addictions with gambling. There's, there's a whole host of things and that's because sin is never satisfied. It's always in a process of leading you into deeper and deeper sin, bringing you into more and more bondage. The Bible points that out in our lives. In Romans chapter 6, the Apostle Paul talked about it. He said, let not sin, therefore, and notice the wording here. He said, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. You know, a lot of times people think that they're, they're the most free when they can just do whatever they want. The problem is you've got passions, you've got desires with inside of yourself that are not all good. Some of them are sinful. And those will lead you down a false path. And that is not freedom. It says in verse 13, do not present your members as, or to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. And so notice again the words that are in there. Sin shall not reign in your mortal body. It shall not make you obey it. It shall not exercise dominion over you. You see, when we pursue an unrighteous desire, we are having that control in our life. And that's not freedom. That's bondage. And he would continue in the book of Romans chapter 6 and verses 16 through 18. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either to sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. 
and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. And so it's kind of like that old Bob Dylan song. You've got to serve somebody. It may be the devil, it may be the Lord, but everybody's got to serve somebody. He's absolutely right. Just by by going your own way, if that leads you into sin, that you're not free. You know, I often think of, of different creatures and the environments that they were, they were created for. You realize a fish is most free when it's confined to water. When it's limited to water, that's where it is the most free. And you can see it in it. It's very comfortable in water. Pour it out of the water and it flops all over the place. In fact, when I was a wrestler in high school, we always criticized people as being called, uh, we say they were like a fish out of water when they were when they were not doing well in their wrestling mat. And that was a big insult in wrestling to be called a fish. And it was recognized it was out of the water. Why? Because you're awkward, you're clumsy, you're not doing well. Well, a fish is very free in the environment it's created for, which is water. Birds, birds are very free in the air. Some of them are somewhat free on the water and can even go under the water a little bit. But compared to what they look like in the air, they're a little clumsy. They're somewhat free on the ground, but nothing like what they are in the air. Because that's the environment that they're created for. Well, you know what? That's the thing. Freedom is not about just being whatever you want, whenever you want. Freedom is about living in the environment you're created for. We were created for an environment where we walk with God in the garden, where we would live in true holiness and in constant fellowship with him. That's where we're free. That's our environment. And as we strive to live in that environment, that's where we experience this freedom. Well, the Apostle Paul would go on in Romans chapter 7. I'm not going to read it for you uh, at this point or look there right now. But just to summarize it, he's a little getting a little frustrated with his own experience. Can you believe that, the Apostle Paul? Uh, frustrated, uh, wrestling with the sin himself. But he did, of course. He's just a person like us. But he's wrestling and he's frustrated with his sin. And he's saying, you know what, I find within myself as a believer in Christ that I want to do the right thing. I want to live righteously. I want to live holy life before God. But I find in myself also a desire to do what's wrong. And he says, so I get so frustrated because I have this desire to do what's right and I don't do it. And I and I have this desire to, to not do the things that are wrong. And I find myself doing exactly those things that I hate. And so he, in his wrestling with his sinful nature, says, I just hate what I see inside of myself as a sinful nature. And, the, and I find that the things that I love to do, I find myself not doing those. Well, right after that, he goes into praise. Because he gets to the point where he's so frustrated, he says, who will deliver me from this body of death, from this body of sin? And then he goes right into thanks. He says, thanks be to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus Christ that we have that freedom it's through Jesus Christ that we can get mastery over sin within our lives. It's, it's through him that we are delivered. And the Apostle Paul recognized, and he's looking for the day ultimately delivered from even the presence of sin in his life, but rejoicing in Christ that he's in the process of being delivered from that sin. Well, that's what sin does. Sin kills and sin inflames. But what about what about truth? Because that's what Christ spends the most time focusing on is truth. And the truth obviously coming from him. Well, the first thing that we see is that the truth frees us. 
it frees us. As we look in verse uh, 32 and verse 36, we notice it says in verse 32, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Well, that's the last half of 31, actually. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then in verse 36, it says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And so the freedom that we have obviously comes from Christ, and that's what truth does in our life. Truth sets us free. Truth gives us power over sin and over bondage in our lives, both in in Christ in who he is as the truth, but not only that, but also also through um, what he says, the tr- the statements that he makes, and the truth that he reveals to us as well. So whereas sin brings death and enslaves us, truth brings freedom into our lives. You know, in Galatians, the Apostle Paul pointed that out in chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, not submit again to the yoke of slavery. A few verses later in verse 13, he says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Peter also answered in, in very similarly in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16. He said, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. And so truth frees us. From sin, it's it's within that. You know, I spent years, some years of my life uh, just per- pushing for freedom, and my idea in pushing for freedom was to do whatever I wanted to do. And you know what? It's, it wasn't freedom; it was bondage. It it brought to it brought me into a real bondage. It made a mess of my life. I found that I think back to my teenage years and stuff where I was really pursuing this. It it got me. Uh, I clashing with my with my family i ended up at a point where i needed to leave the home for the serenity of the home it got me thrown out of school for a few days it got me fired from my job this big push for freedom to do whatever i wanted when i wanted to do it that that kind of freedom is not freedom that's bondage and it brings a devastating effect but you know what when i was 20 years old i submitted to christ I put my faith and trust in him. And all of a sudden I felt free. The weight that was on my shoulders was gone. The guilt was taken away. This joy came in. And now I was free. All of a sudden I got a biblical perspective on what freedom was. And it's an awesome thing. There isn't any passion desire that you can have that pursuing that will give you the kind of freedom that Christ can give you. Only Christ can give you that freedom over fear or over sin and over death. Well, not only does truth free us, but we also see all through the passage that truth reveals us. It reveals those who are following Christ. Jesus said it right in the first verse, in verse 12 of chapter 8 in the book of John. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Notice he says, my followers will not walk in darkness. 
He says this is this is going to be an identifying characteristic of them. They will walk in the light because I am the light of the world. So obviously anybody following me, he's just making a logical connection, is going to walk in that light. It's going to it's going to follow him. Throughout the passage, he continues to say things like that. In verse 31, in the last part of the verse, he says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He's constantly pointing that out. In fact, his criticism of the religious leaders that were trying to entrap him is that you don't listen to my word. He says, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. And so that was a distinguishing factor. The people that were not believing in him, that were not following the truth, it's like his words went right over their head. They couldn't stand them. They couldn't see it. Why? Because in our natural person, we don't, we don't accept the things of the Word of God. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Because they're spiritually discerned. You see, inside of our flesh, inside of our own natural, just our natural abilities, we don't have that ability to to see spiritual truth. It takes the Holy Spirit working with inside of us to create that. And so truth actually kind of reveals who we are as disciples of Christ because if he's the light and we're his disciple, then we're going to walk in that light. That's exactly what John says in his first epistle. He says in, in 1 John 1, 5 through 7, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So it starts with focusing on the nature of God, that he is completely light, no darkness at all. Well, then what does that mean to me as his follower? If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's where it impacts, that's how it impacts us. You know, that epistle goes on to do the same thing with other areas. He'd go on to say, look, if you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. If you say you love God, but you don't keep his commandments, it's just not true. That's what Jesus is doing in this passage here, is he keeps talking about truth. He says, if you're hearing the truth, walking in the truth, that reveals who you are, that shows you to be my disciple, my follower. But if you're not walking in the truth, if you're not hearing the truth, if if the Bible's a, uh, a complete mystery or seems like utter nonsense to you, then he says, it's because you're not my disciple. You're not, you haven't made that step of faith. You're not following me. So truth reveals us. But not only does truth reveal us, it also saves. Truth saves us. And as we look at verse 50, in verse 50, remember the stark warning that he'd given to the religious leaders. The religious leaders, Jesus had told them three different times in verses 21 through 24, you will die in your sins. If you don't put your faith and trust in me, you will die in your sins. Well, when you get up to verse 50, he says, if anyone keeps my word, remember that's the mark of a disciple, somebody that keeps his word. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. You realize that when we 
die physically, when we lay down this body that will be resurrected again one day, we move from life to life. We don't move from life to death. We move from, we are in a transition. The Apostle Paul said that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We go from being alive here to an even greater life there because we are that much closer to the one who is the source of our life. And so we get to just life. Well, as we look at it and we kind of review here a little bit this morning, Jesus is making a definite contrast with these people. He's making a contrast that basically boils down to what we get in sin, what we experience in sin, what we experience in truth. And what we see is that sin kills and sin enslaves. But truth, truth frees us. Truth reveals us as true disciples of Christ and truth saves us from sin and from death. 